This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Many Americans claim Social Security benefits perhaps earlier than they should. Under current rules, eligibility uh, eligible individuals uh, can claim retirement benefits at age 62, or they can wait to as long as age 70. For those who take them at an older age, it can be as much as 43% more money monthly and even more over one's lifetime. But how can you get people to delay retirement? And would this have an impact on insolvency problems of Social Security? Remember that many estimates have Social Security facing an end in the decades of the 2030s. Now a paper from Olivia Mitchell, professor of business economics and public policy here at the Wharton School, looks at what maybe should be discussed and done. Olivia is executive director of the Pension Research Council and also professor of insurance and risk management here at the Wharton School. Great seeing you again. Pleasure to be with you. This is, as we were talking between uh, during the commercial break, this is a very important topic because there are so many issues surrounding Social Security right now. Well, absolutely. Social Security is one of the main sources of old age support in America. And as you noted, it's running short of money. So um, pretty soon, about a few years from now, we're going to have to raise Social Security taxes by one third four percentage points of payroll, or cut benefits immediately by 25% for everyone, retirees and future retirees. So the solvency problem is real. So what about the issue of people working longer? How much of an impact is there where Social Security is concerned, waiting those extra few years potentially to start to take that money? Well, right now, about 48% of all women claim as early as age 62, and about 42% of men claim that early. This is quite a concern, especially with regards to elderly poverty, because if you only waited a few years, in fact, if you waited all the way to age 70, benefits would go up by 75%. So it can make a huge difference to your cash flow in retirement. Now, granted, not everybody can make it that long, but every year you delay, your benefits go up by 8%. You basically can't earn that on assets without taking enormous risk, whereas Social Security is, for the future, I think, something we have to try to fix. But it does seem like, and we've heard stories about this, that in the wake of the recession, there are people, more people, that are working longer in life. They're not retiring at 62 or 65. They're actually trying to work, if they can, full-time, until 68, 69, 70, maybe even longer. Well, it is true that women in particular have been delaying claiming and working longer. But still, if you look at the fraction of Americans working even to 67, it's only it's less than 10 percent. So there's a lot of room for delayed claiming. And so one of the things we did was to try to investigate alternative ways to incentivize, to encourage people to delay claiming, not to punish them by saying, oh, you can't retire, but by giving them a carrot if they did retire. Yeah. And then therein lies part of the issue or the idea of the lump sum, correct? Correct. So our notion was that uh, we started actually with an experimental survey where we surveyed a nationally representative group of Americans. And we said to them, "Okay, here's what we compute your Social Security benefit would be based on your earnings to date. 
um, when do you think you're going to claim? And they'd give us a number. And then we said, what if instead we gave you the same benefit if you delay claiming, the same benefit you would have gotten at age 62, but instead of giving you a higher benefit per month, we gave you the increment as a lump sum. Right. And it turns out these magnitudes are huge. So, for example, if you were 62 and you had determined that you were eligible for a $1,500 a month benefit from Social Security. If you delayed claiming to age 67, you would get the same 1500 a month plus $109,000 lump sum. Yeah. If you delayed to age 72, you get $178,000. This is some real money <laughs> It absolutely at this point. is, yeah. And the result we found in our survey was people said they would delay claiming by one to two years, and they would work about half of that extra time. The consequence of this is that if you gave people the lump sums that we computed, Social Security would not suffer any additional solvency problems because they're computed to be actuarially fair. That is, they basically are equal to the expected value of the benefits you would have gotten, but they would have been doled out as monthly payments instead of as a lump sum. And right. people love lump sums. Well, I was going to say, what's you know, in throwing this forward as an option for some people, I would guess that... The reaction is very positive from them thinking about, okay, you can still get the monthly benefit, but that big lump sum, obviously you have to get, you know, get the taxes taken care of it, but the lump sum obviously is a huge, it's a huge carrot for the people. Absolutely. And one of the things that we've been finding in some other research is that Americans are more and more likely to hit retirement age carrying debt nowadays yeah. compared to, say, 20, 30 years ago. They're carrying mortgages, credit card debts, payday loans. And so this lump sum could actually help people build their asset position and let them enter retirement in much better shape. 844-942-7866. If you'd like to join in with your comments or questions, we're talking with Olivia Mitchell from here at the Wharton School, talking about Social Security and the idea of lump sums. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So thinking about this particular plan, how does that impact potentially Social Security as, a, as an institution moving forward? Well, so the answer to that question took two stages or two had consisted of two parts. First, what we did was we said, let's compute the lump sum so that there would be no net cost to Social Security. In other words, yeah. it wouldn't improve it. It wouldn't make it any worse. The second thing we did was we built a model that tried to estimate how much less you might be able to give people in a lump sum and still get them to claim later and potentially work a little bit more. Right. And the the only reason we went that direction is because, as we said at the outset, there are huge shortfalls that the system is facing. Yeah. What we learned is that if the lump sum were 13% lower, in other words, if the lump sum were 87% of what the benefit should be, to be actually fair, people would still delay claiming right. so that the system would save a little bit of money and people would be better off. But again, that's really driven most likely because it's a lump sum, because people feel like you know, to a degree, they they feel like they've hit the lottery. 
Absolutely. And, and we know from various other research studies, some of which I've done, that giving people the lump sum allows them to do a number of things that they wouldn't necessarily be able to do if it just came as a monthly benefit. So um, I think this is very positive. The other uh, piece that I wanted to note was that then we took these uh, model estimates and included them in a massive micro-simulation right. algorithm, which the Urban Institute runs, called uh, Dynasim. And this is a, a population model which integrates nationally representative information on people's births, deaths, divorce, marriage, family structure, assets, health. It's a very, very complex and rich model. And the reason that we wanted to do this is we wanted to estimate what the impact on uh, distributional outcomes would be. That is, would people be better off according to a number of different criteria or not? 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Do you think that there is that there is the, the thought process to even, and again, we've talked about this before, to really even to start to dig into the weeds of Social Security and the funding issues that we have there to th even consider a plan like this? I think we have to. Um, the... Reforming Social Security certainly isn't on Congress's front page today. We know other things are. Right. But the reality is that the tax cut made this fiscal uh, situation much more dire. And pretty soon it's going to be very much upon us. People today who are retired or nearing retirement should demand, I think, that their Congress people uh, focus on trying to fix the system before benefits run short. Uh, we are joined in studio by Olivia Mitchell, who is a professor of business economics and public policy here at the Wharton School, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get your phone, you can send us a comment on BizRadio at, uh, or I should say, at uh, BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Is there, you talk about the differences between women and men claiming, is there something uh, in that that you're able to determine as to why there is that difference in, in the claiming rates between men and women? Certainly. When Social Security was established back in the 30s, the typical family structure was the working male and the wife that stayed home with the kids. Working as well, of course, but sure. not for pay. And so the U.S. Social Security system has a heavy subsidy for women to stay home because women... Uh, especially if they're, you know, ha have working husbands, get half of their Social Security benefits, even if they never work for pay at all. So that's one reason that a lot of women claim early. Now, that has been changing over time as more women have spent additional years in the labor force. Their own benefits grow to be a bigger portion of their retirement income. Um, but the reality is still, if you look back at history, the tradition has been to subsidize non-working women or women not working for pay, mm -hmm. and in fact, to, to penalize working women. So both my husband and I pay Social Security taxes, yeah. but one of us won't get any more for that because the benefits won't be improved. Um, what I would say is that if you look at this lump sum reform that we've proposed, it would actually increase cash income for people over the age of 62. Right. It would not change poverty rates. 
And I think most importantly, it would increase the amount of assets older people have, especially low and middle income folks, because right now, low and middle income folks essentially have no assets or maybe they have a home, but not much else. Which obviously that that has more of a social impact when you're talking about not having that that resource available to you. A lot of people that don't that haven't had that income for a good portion of their life, they end up becoming the people that are really in a in a in a tight fiscal situation when they get into their retirement years. Absolutely. And the other thing that I found very interesting was that the people who will delay claiming most are the people from our analysis are the people who would claim now at age 62. In other words, those are the folks that would, in fact, work longer and claim later because the incentive to them makes a very big difference. So I think the the, the takeaway that I came from came out with was that um, lump sum options can help the system. They will potentially benefit the macro economy because yeah. people continuing to work will be paying more taxes. They will definitely benefit people's personal finances, especially at the middle and the bottom of the income distribution. And delayed work can actually be good for your mental and physical <laughs> health. Exactly. So all these features, I think, are f- factors that make this proposal potentially very, very positive so when we get to reform. Where, where do you take this now? Well, I've talked to uh, folks in Congress, and uh, we hope that when uh, and if Social Security comes back on the radar, um, this will be informative. I've also talked to people in China. They seem very interested Mm. about a lump sum alternative, which is seen as a reward, a set of incentives rather than a punishment, which is so often how Social Security reform is seen. That's an interesting element to it, because I obviously we think about these types of issues in the in the scope of what's going on here in America. But you just eliminated that this is something that other countries need to consider as well. I was actually uh, following the Russian situation pretty closely over the last several months because the Russians proposed increasing their retirement age. And this was seen as a takeaway. And my comment was, look, why don't they just give them more incentives to delay claiming and make that work? And then the popularity of the uh, head of the government wouldn't have declined so precipitously. Yeah. I'm wondering if if there is there would be a concern. And, And again, you lay out great information about the fact that that even if you go with the lump sum, there aren't as many concerns moving forward with it. There are obviously some benefits as well, but I'm wondering if the mindset of seeing that lump sum number is something that just is a wall that a lot of legislators, you know, can't get past or it's something that, you know, that kind of blocks their thought process to the benefits of a plan like this. Well, this is one reason that we continued to make the um, early retirement benefit payable when you de- when you deferred claiming. Yeah. In other words, one proposal might have been, which we didn't pursue, might have been to lump sum all of Social Security. But the concern then is somebody will go buy a bass boat or blow all their <laughs> money at the casino right. or what have you. And so I think we have enough uh, attention to maintaining a minimum poverty income in old age that we need to keep some retirement income stream. What about bringing forward the knowledge of a plan like this? Because again, this is something that not only really has to be brought forward to the people in Washington, but it does have to be brought forward to the public in general so that they can have an understanding of this type of a plan and see the potential benefits that are there for them when they start to consider you know, when they're going to, to actually head to retirement. 
I think that the whole concept of um, people needing an income stream in retirement is something we have to reintroduce. In the old days, the traditional pension plan, the defined benefit plan, paid you a monthly paycheck. And that was what people lived on in retirement. Now that those traditional plans are pretty much gone, with the exception of public sector employees, and even then they're in trouble, um, I think we need to go back and say, how much of our consumption can we finance by a lifetime annuity, an income stream, if you will? And then how much do we have available to handle other needs and costs and desires in old age? And that discussion is something that I'm really pushing. You have to at this point, because again, it's getting closer and closer. What is it? We're still looking at what, 2034 as the potential year where we're, where we're looking at insolvency at this point. So 2034 is what the uh, trustees report said the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, says 2031. And depending on your age, these become countably few years yeah. away. Yeah, exactly. Great seeing you again. Thank you for coming in. My pleasure. Greatly Thanks appreciate it. Uh, Olivia Mitchell, Professor of Business Economics and Public Policy here at the Wharton School, and also, as we mentioned, Executive Director of the Pension Research Council and Professor of Insurance and Risk Management. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.